Hello guys and welcome to episode 7 of Axie in the Future. In today's episode we're going to be hearing from Tom. He is a photographer and videographer from Melbourne. He has 60,000 followers on Instagram and a couple thousand on YouTube. He's also got his own podcast called Real Life. Welcome Tom. Thanks for having me mate. I'm excited. I'm, ec- I'm excited to be on a podcast. Yeah, I guess so. It must feel feel nice to be to be on a podcast. That's one of my dreams to be on someone else's podcast one day in the future. Yeah, it's cool. It's a different dynamic. I mean, I've been on um, a couple a couple of my mates' podcasts and a couple of podcasts that I've listened to, and yeah, it's always an interesting dynamic being the interviewer compared to the interviewee. So it's uh, it, it's nice. I enjoy I enjoy uh, podcasts that you know, have a natural flow of conversation. So I'm sure this will be very normal for me, even though I'm the uh, interviewee today. (laughs) Yeah. Can you start by telling us a bit about yourself? Okay. Uh, So I'm, uh, like you said, my name is Tom Noski. I'm a a filmmaker, photographer, and digital artist from Melbourne, Australia. Uh, I've been doing this uh, full-time for the last two and a half years and uh, prior to that I was a personal trainer so I uh, learned most of my business <laughs> techniques and, and business savviness from personal training and then brought that into the creative space and and started my business and then yeah it's been been like that ever since I sort of I focus in the worlds of uh, fitness sports and then uh, commercial and weddings as well and then obviously I have my social media side which is is teaching filmmaking photography and then travel and whatnot so yeah it's cool it's 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 an awesome space it's impressive that you're jumping into it this early because honestly it's uh the earlier you can get in the better you're going to be in the uh the longer your career or the better your career will be so it's awesome to see you getting into it this early yeah it's it's i think it's kind of good getting into the game or i guess you can call it a game kind of early because not only as a young creator, you, you, I find that I get a lot of support because everyone's like, wow, you know, you do, you're going amazing, you're doing it early. So mm. you're getting a lot of support with it and it's way easier to grow your profile from by the sounds of things because everyone's, you know, yeah, exactly. getting behind you, helping you out. So Plus yeah. you've, you've got time on your side. I think uh, when when you're younger, especially especially 12 years old, you're, are you just about to start secondary school? Yeah, I'm in year six now. Yeah, so going into year seven, it's it's kind of uh, it's very difficult to understand the the length of your life when you're in when you're in school. I didn't I didn't really realize it until I was maybe 21 or 22 or or 20 years old how long this life is and how much time we have. When you're in school, you're sort of you know you've got new classes every single day and then each semester has different classes and every single year is something different so you only really live a few months at a time you don't realize how much time you have so the benefit of starting so early is you know you're going to be 20 years old and you'll have committed eight years to this craft if you stick with it and that's a benefit the rule 10,000 hours is very very true and if you've put 10,000 hours into podcasting 10,000 hours into video and photo by the time you turn 20 or I mean, even more. If you're starting now, you know that's twenty, thirty thousand hours that you're going to have in it. So, it's extremely beneficial, not only from the side of, you know, starting your career and building an audience and that sort of stuff. That stuff sort of secondary. But the fact that you've started so early gives you the benefit of 
you've just got more time <laughs> because time is the most valuable thing. If I had the option to go back and, and be 12 years old again, I would have probably taken the, <laughs> I'm not going to encourage this, but taken the foot off the gas as far as my other classes and committed more time to art class because I, uh, I think it's, I think it's incredible that just how much time you have. So I hope you, uh, I hope you realize how, how incredible this opportunity for you is to, to be starting this, this young. Yeah. What age did you start with getting interested in photography? So I didn't start photography until I was 20. No, I didn't start until I was 19. So I, I picked up a camera at 19 years old. Um, but before that, I was a I was always an artist. So if you watch any of my YouTube videos, the painting that I have behind me is one of my paintings that I, that I did when I was about 15 years old. Uh, when I was even younger than that, I was always painting and drawing and winning art competitions and that sort of stuff. So I've always been an artist, but I didn't get into photography until I was 19, which I mean, I don't, I don't, I still think that was very early, uh, considering the age that most people normally get into it. So yeah, again, the fact that, <laughs> the fact that you've got it into it this early is incredible. So I, uh, yeah, I didn't get into it until I was 19, but the thing with being an artist in any form as soon as you learn the basics of composition, color theory, that sort of stuff, it kind of it's kind of like riding a bike. You never really lose it. So getting into it at 19, it wasn't like I was learning completely fresh how to be an artist. It was I was learning how to put my creativity into a new medium. And you've probably noticed this as well. It's like if you're good at photography, there's a good chance you're probably going to be decent at drawing as well. It just might take a little bit of time to learn how to use a pencil. And it's the same thing for you know, music and podcasting and making YouTube videos and that sort of thing. Like anything you learn is not wasted. Those lessons that you learn in another medium are never wasted on a new medium. So having the ability to uh, draw helped me out massively when I got into filmmaking and photography. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. I've I've heard people talk about, you know, it's kind of all art, but I've never really discovered it myself. So I'll take that on and see how... I, I draw a bit, but I'm not a massive drawer. I'll, now I'm with quarantine. I'm trying to get more into drawing, <laughs> and I'm pretty average at it. If I have to be completely honest, I'm um, struggle. But it's I guess it takes time. You should give it like give give everything a shot. Uh, like I said again, the benefit that you have is time. You have a lot of time, so give everything a shot. Take your chances with just about everything. If that means you know, checking whether you can sing, check whether you can sing. If that means making music, if that means playing an instrument, if that means drawing, painting, whatever it is, take your chance and and see if you're capable of doing it because it's on it. Again, it comes back over and over again to the fact that you have time. You could commit, say, for the next, you know, like we said, eight years, you'll be, or let's, let's compare it to me. I'm 23 years old now. So if you commit uh, the next 11 years of your life to this art form or to art in general you could spend the next three years doing podcasting you could spend the next three years after that doing drawing you could spend the next three years after that doing photography and then two years after that doing videography you'll have a massive amount of experience in all of those things and you'll be 23 years old (laughs) so having if i've got any advice for younger people if i've got any advice i'm assuming your audience probably leans a little bit younger and i'm assuming you've probably got a few of your friends listening as well i would I would assume. Yeah, probably. I I don't know if they they're either they'll either get into me about it. I've had a few people, you know, <laughs> uh, look at Mr. Podcast, but there I think there's a couple of friends or hopefully a lot of friends that are that are tuning in. 
I'll 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 go back to that point in a second. Um, but yeah, I I my my advice to everyone would be, especially the younger guys, is try everything. Try absolutely everything. You know, don't put anything to side. I wish I did theater when I was younger. I wish I learned an instrument when I was younger. Hell, I wish I'd have joined the chess club when I was younger. Um, all the things that you think are cool, all the things that you sort of understand as as this is cool and this is not in high school and primary school and and middle school. It's just not true <laughs> in the real world in the slightest. So take your chance with everything and do everything. And then to bring it back to what you just said about, you know, your mates getting into you about it, that never changes. But I think the lessons you'll learn from this uh, young is the fact that that just doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter at all, the fact that they say that. And usually the fact that they're saying that means that they have a level of admiration for the fact that you're doing it because it takes a certain level of bravery to get out there and, and you know, do what you're doing and, and put yourself out there online like that. So I would never, ever let the fact that your mates get into you get uh, the better of you never let it stop you from doing something if you start something and there's people that push back that's probably a good sign that you're doing a good job (laughs) yeah I, I agree like it's I guess it's a lot about often when people are either getting into you or you know whatever like that it's often they're either jealous or you know I guess that's kind of how it usually is they're trying to drag you down to their level, if you know what I mean. Exactly right. Hurt people, hurt people. It's uh, it's you don't realize. I mean, I didn't realize it until I was I was much older. But yeah, it's like everyone who, who ever picked on you in high school, anyone who ever uh, spoke poorly of you behind your back or to you in in primary school and high school. Usually, those people, to a certain level, it's jealousy, and mostly it's you know something else. It's their own issues. If someone's you know, if someone's getting into you about say sharing a podcast there's probably a big there's probably a very big sign that they have insecurities around you know putting themselves out there and doing what they actually want to do so it's important to have empathy for the people that you know pick on other people at school because you never know what someone's going through it's like don't write off the bullies and don't write off the kids that get picked on because both those people have uh, issues and positives on both ends of the spectrum. So school is a very, very interesting place. And I promise you, the moment that you leave school, you'll recognize all this. All of this will become as clear as day. <laughs> it never really became clear to me until right after school how obvious this is. But, you know, everyone who picks on someone in high school is usually doing it out of insecurity. And everyone who gets picked on in high school will be better because they're being picked on in high school. You know, pressure creates diamonds and that's very, very true for, you know, growing up and, and what you experience in your childhood. So I think, uh, you know, protecting yourself from being picked on is never a good idea, but also picking on people is never a good idea. So, you know, for all your mates that <laughs> give you crap for getting into you about the podcast or creating a podcast, there's nothing wrong with that. Usually it's probably a little bit out of love. I'm sure your best friends do it because they think it's funny at the moment or but I'm sure all of them support what you're doing wholeheartedly and I'm sure all of them are stoked to have a friend who's starting a podcast. They might just not admit it to you straight away. So keep, I mean, mate, never let it stop you from doing what you want to do. Never let it stop you. Yeah, it's 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 actually kind of awesome. My mates have been really good. Like I have one particular friend. I've known him for about 10 years. 
listen to each episode about four or five times to help the viewing up. <laughs> like, you know, just doing anything you can to help, which is awesome. That's cool. Um, yeah, so back to kind of the photography topic, why did you start photography? Um, I started photography uh, I started photography because I got really bored. I mean, I'm actually making a video on this whole topic right now, but when I was younger, I never really saw uh, art as an option. You're growing up in an incredible time where, you know, you've got so many people on Instagram, you've got so many people on YouTube, you've got people like Peter McKinnon and Sam Calder and and musicians and photographers and all sorts of people having incredible careers and and if anything, living lives of extreme luxury. Some of the wealthiest people in the world right now are, are creatives and artists and musicians and that sort of thing. So you're growing up in a world where it's very obvious that art is, you know, an option and art is something that you can do and make money from. But when I was growing up, it was it was never ever an option. I was, you know, always told throughout school that you know, I was really good at art. I was always good at art. It was the only class I was ever good at in high school, but I was never, ever told that it was an option. I was always told that it was something that I couldn't do. Um, and unfortunately, that led to a mentality in my mind where I was happy to do the art, but it was never, I, it never made me feel productive. Like for me, sitting in a classroom with a textbook in front of me for half an hour felt like an eternity. But going into school, in my older years when you get things like spare periods and, and study periods and that sort of thing, going into class and spending four or five hours in the art room in my sketchbook felt effortless. By the end of my year for my final folio at art, I, I think I filled like six or seven sketchbooks that are all 350 pages and they're all filled from corner to corner full of drawings and sketches and writing and that sort of thing. So I think it's it it, it was always very difficult for me to see that I could be an artist. So like when we had, when we were younger, we or in year 12, you do a thing or year 11, I think it is where like a careers counselor comes to the school and they do a, like a standardized test that kind of tells you what kind of personality you are and what career you would suit. So they came in and they did the test for everyone. And some people got told they should be, you know, engineers and some people got told they should be accountants and some people got told they should be lawyers and doctors and all sorts of things. And the careers counselor, even though on my test, it clearly said he's terrible at comprehension, he's terrible at math, and he's decent at creativity. Even though it was very, very clear what I was good at, they told me I should join the military. That was what I should do as a careers option, join the military. And that was it. My options were join the military and do something in a team. So essentially, they were telling me, join the military or go and get a grunt job. And I took that as fact and, and I didn't go to university in my first year because the idea of going and studying commerce or going and studying medicine or going and studying law made me cringe. And that was the sort of thing that the school encouraged. I went to Brighton Grammar, by the way. Uh, that was the sort of thing that they encouraged at that school. So I finished school. I went and got a job as a personal trainer for two and a half years and by the end of those two and a half years i'm i'm very glad i did it because it learned it taught me all the skills around you know supply and demand and and learning about money and learning how to make money and learning how not to make money um even though i'm glad it did that i i just fell out of love with personal training so in a period of time that everyone goes through it's called a, a quarter life crisis i'm sure you've heard of a half a midlife crisis but there's a, a period of time, I think, believe 
you know, between 20 and 25 that most people go through where they sort of don't really know what to do. They get a little stuck, they feel a little lost and and they don't really know what to do. And for me, that period materialized in um, talking to a uh, intake officer in the military to try and join the special forces and buying a camera. <laughs> I'm very glad I bought the camera because I think I would probably be in the military if I didn't. And um, so, yeah, that that's what happened. I bought it. I went and spent my savings on a brand new camera. Uh, I very, very quickly fell in love with photography and filmmaking. Uh, around that time, I discovered uh, people like Peter McKinnon. I discovered people like Matty Hapoya. Um, all those guys made me realize that, yeah, they made me realize that, oh, wow, I can actually be an artist. You can actually make money. These guys are making incredible careers out of photography. Like they're creating incredible careers for themselves and, and create massive financial freedom for themselves purely by being an artist and, and posting their stuff online. So I kind of realized very quickly that that was not necessarily something that I thought that I could do straight away. But I knew it was something, an option. I knew it was an option for me to try. So straight away, I I fell in love with it. I booked a ticket to Canada to go and move over to Canada because I was too scared to quit my job. Um, and then I, I left my job to go and live in Canada for a little bit. And then by the time I came back, I was... I just said to myself, I'm, I'm not getting a job. There's no way I'm getting a job. I'm not going back to university. My parents were... Uh, not so supportive of that. They sort of said, okay, well, you can give it a shot, but if you don't make any money, then you're out. And this was when I was uh, about to turn 21. And it was it was either I start making money or I go and get a job. So I started making money. <laughs> and that's, that's the story of how I got to where I am now. So it's just been, you know, like I said, pressure makes diamonds and uh, I put myself in a situation that was uh, high pressure. So yeah, that was that was that was my my story for how I got into all this. Jeez, that's so you were you close to getting into the military. You've done a lot of stuff in your life. Like that's <laughs> already at twenty three. Yeah, I've, military, I've, I, I've lived many lives. Um, <laughs> I've uh, I've yeah. I think it's I think it's valuable to like I said. You should try a lot of things. I think that I don't think I would have honestly. I'm I'm thankful for. As much as you know, I wish that the school was more supportive of artists. As much as I wish that you know, I had decided straight away when I was seventeen or eighteen that I wanted to be a photographer or filmmaker. I don't think I would be where I am now unless I went through those situations. I don't think I would have the experience and I would have the maturity that I have now if I didn't go through uh, you know the process of actually learning about myself and and learning everything that I did through being a personal trainer, through, you know, talking to ex-military people about joining the military. Like, I just, I just don't think I would be where I am now if I didn't go through those things. So it comes back to the importance of trying things. I think that you need to, especially when you're young, you need to try things because as much as, like I said, as much as I wish that I was just like you, 12 years old, had gotten into photography, started my podcast, I think that everything that you do in life, regardless of whether it's a positive or a negative or directly related to your career or trajectory, uh, I, I don't think that you will get to where you are without certain experiences. And I'm glad I had that experience. I am. Well, that's it's funny. So every episode so far that I've 
had on my podcast, I'm always stunned by the stories of everyone because <laughs> it's not too often like on Instagram or on social medias and stuff where they really share kind of the full story. Mm. So it's really interesting. That's yeah. why that's one of the reasons I love podcasts because I get to have some of my favorite photographers like you and I had seventh year on a couple episodes ago and oh, like really? he- yeah, hearing their stories is just insane. Yeah, Liam's a Liam's a lovely guy. I'm I'm so glad to hear he he came on the podcast as well because he's a he's a very very nice guy. So that, oh yeah, that's nice to hear. No, it's I think it's honestly I I think it's I think I don't think it's intentional that people don't really share their stories. I think it's honestly you just don't think to you don't think anyone's going to be interested. It's like as much as um you know my as much as all of this is now interesting when I say it out loud in my own mind, I'm like, oh, well, you know, I just went from this and did this and now I'm here. It doesn't really, in my mind, it doesn't seem like it's a an interesting addition to add. But honestly, yeah, sharing your story makes you relatable. Sharing what made you you makes you uh, relatable to other people. So I, I that's why I love podcasts too. That's why I've started my own podcast. It's It's a very organic way to learn about someone's story it's a very organic way to you know hear someone's perspective on something yeah and so what were your dreams as a kid like 12-ish <laughs> my age what uh, do you want to be and stuff stuff like that so my my dreams as a kid I you know I was like every other kid I wanted to be an athlete uh, I was never any good I was always terrible at football Aussie rules football I was always terrible at uh just about every sport I played with the exception of a few so I I always wanted to be a professional athlete which is why I got into personal training because my other passion in life is is health and fitness and so when I was younger I I was a, a swimmer I was an endurance swimmer I was that weird kid that swam the 1500 meter and and idolized someone like Grant Hackett if you if you know who Grant Hackett is he was the uh, he was the fifteen hundred meter swimmer for the Australian t- Olympic team, and and oh, yeah. he was an athlete that I really idolised. But um, so I was that weird kid, and then uh, I played water polo in my older years. I did triathlons, and then I rode. So my my you know when I was younger, I wanted to be an athlete, and then when I was older, I also wanted to be an athlete. The idea of going to an American college and playing water polo or rowing was something I thought about doing for a while, and so I, I think that. Yeah, I just wanted to be an athlete. I've never really had a a like a job as a dream. Like I can't picture a time where I've thought thought of myself as, you know, I would love to be a doctor or I would love to be a vet or you know those typical ones that you talk about in in prep and year 1 and year 2 is like I want to be an astronaut, I want to be a doctor, I want to be this, I want to be that. I think that I I don't think I ever had those desires. I think I always wanted to be uh, or didn't know what I wanted to be, to be perfectly honest with you, which is probably why I wanted to be an athlete because that seemed like a desirable thing. And funnily enough, I think that the draw that, uh, ha- like, I think the draw to being an athlete or the draw to wanting to be an athlete is actually far similar, far more similar to my current career than I initially expected. The draw to being an athlete is is you want to have uh, impact. You want to impact other people's lives. You want to you know, show people what's possible. You want to show people that you're, you know, different to other people. You want to be unique. And I think an athlete is the ultimate example of that is these are, you know, the most incredible human beings on the planet in their sport. 
and they're all put into one stadium to show off their talents. And I think that's as as opposite as that is from being an artist to being an athlete. I think it's a very similar. It's like nowadays, you know, my goal is to share artwork and create videos and do things that seem otherworldly. It's like I want to show the world in a way that seems, you know, unbelievable and i think that it's it's funny that i'm only just realizing this now on the spot actually that it's actually very very similar uh the desire to be an athlete and my current career as an artist so it's interesting like that it's interesting how it plays out yeah for sure um if you could go back to age 12 Mm. what would advice would you give yourself uh the advice that i would give myself at that moment would probably just be what we talked about with um, what we talked about with um, you know people people picking on you, people bullying you, people uh, thinking you're different, that sort of thing. I would just tell younger Tom. I'd just be like, these people are just doing this because of insecurity. They're just doing this because of x y z they're not doing it because you are actually what they say you are they're not doing it because they actually think the things that they say about you they're just doing it because they're insecure about something that's going on in their own life and i would tell him to you know be empathetic to that fact and and move on with it because i think at that moment you know going back and telling myself at 12 years old that you can be an artist or going back and telling myself at 12 years old to pick up a camera or anything like that. I don't think that's a valuable lesson for a younger me. I think a valuable lesson for a younger me is just to have a little bit more confidence in myself to recognize that, you know, maybe joining the theater team (laughs) and joining the play and joining the debate team and doing all the things that I thought would make me unpopular or make me uncool is actually the things that will be the most valuable to me and learning to have confidence in my own self is far far more valuable than picking up a camera a few years earlier so i would just go back and tell him that you don't you really don't have to waste your time caring what other people think of you you need to focus on you and only you and do whatever you want because the moment you start doing whatever you want the moment you realize that no one actually cares. No one actually cares what you're doing. No one actually pays attention as much as you think they do. So that's the advice that I would give him because I think from that he would then go on to make better decisions, to to do things that actually interest him, to do things that would benefit him down the line. So for anyone listening who's who's younger, do exactly what you want to do regardless of what people think of you because no one actually cares as much as you think they do. Yeah, for sure. That's a good good lesson. Um, kind of back to photography, what is your favourite photography memory ever? Ooh, that's a good question. That's a really good question. Can I answer with a few? <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Um, oh, man. My favourite day ever, regardless of photography or filmmaking, is uh, uh, my fourth day in Kauai in 2018 in Hawaii. Uh, we went to, uh, me and my girlfriend at the time, we started the day with a ocean tour of the Nepali coast, which is just one of the most incredible things that I've ever done. We spent the morning out on the water swimming with hundreds of dolphins and swimming in this 
crystal clear blue water between these cliffs that span, you know, 4,000 meters up. It's just like just the most incredible day of my life. And then in the afternoon, we then went from in the water at the base of the mountain and then hiked to the top of the mountain uh, to watch sunset. And it was just honestly one of the most incredible days in my entire life. And I don't think I'll ever forget that day. Um, so that was, you know, by far the best memory. But one of the funniest memories is when I was living in in Canada, I was living in a little place called Canmore, which is about an hour outside of Banff. So for any of you that have ever idolized going to Banff, Lake Louise, uh, Johnston Canyon, all those places in, in Alberta, uh, Canmore is a fantastic place to stop by. It's, it's a little, little country town. Um, so I was living there for about two or three months in 2017 or the end of 2017. And, um, I went out for sunrise one morning to a, a pretty iconic place called the Three Sisters, which is these three mountains. I might post a photo uh, pretty soon from that location, but I went to the Three Sisters for sunrise, and it was one of the most incredible sunrises I've ever been on. But to get to this location, it's pretty sketchy. I had to like park my car on the side of the road that I was driving in at the time. I then had to get out, and I was by myself, mind you, so I wasn't with anyone else. And at night. Uh, at like three or four o'clock in the morning in negative 30 degrees, I had to walk on a frozen lake bed for about a kilometer and a half uh, through the woods. The reason why I was walking on the frozen lake bed is because it was so dense. The woods were so dense on either side that I was too scared to walk in the woods. So I walked on this frozen lake bed through the woods all the way out until I got to this opening where the mountains were clear and blah, blah, blah. So I got there finally and I opened up my camera bag and set everything up. And about five or 10 minutes after sunrise, I looked to my left and about a hundred meters away from me, there's a wolf. And I'd never seen a wolf in the wild. I'd never seen like any sort of, in Australia, it's funny. Like I think a lot of people are so scared of the animals here, but we don't really have any apex predators here in Australia, except for a shark, obviously. Like we don't have bears, we don't have wolves, we don't have anything that'll sort of, um, when you go walking out in the forest, you don't have anything to really be afraid of except for snakes and that sort of and spiders and that sort of thing. So seeing a wolf didn't really freak me out as much as I thought it would. So my first uh my first inclination was to film it and put it on my story and then forget about it. Um and looking back at that video now, it's a miracle that one, he didn't have any friends. So it was just a wolf by himself. And two, that he wasn't hungry because he could have very, very easily taken me out in that moment. And I would have been completely screwed. And Tom naively at, at 19 years old, just pointed his camera at the wolf, filmed it, and then turned back and forgot about it. And the wolf left and I was fine and I got away fine. But it's one of the, the strangest, scariest and funniest memories I've ever had from a photography trip. <laughs> Yeah, that would be um I don't know if it'd be scary or if it would be interesting, but I'd I'd love to be in the position to be able to take a photo of a wolf that wasn't hungry and didn't yeah. want to harm you. Um so you've obviously talking about Hawaii, you've got a goal to do a triathlon like Ironman, right? Yes, yes. Yes I do. So tell us a little bit about that. Uh so like I said, when I was younger I was an endurance swimmer. And um, not many people do endurance swimming. So one of the things that a lot of people encourage you to do when you start doing endurance swimming is, is triathlons. And my cousin at the time was uh, quite an accomplished triathlete. She, uh, I think she'd finished 
uh, first or second for a few seasons in a row, got picked for the Victorian team and then got picked for the Australian team and whatnot. So she got me into triathlons. And um, when I started doing triathlon, I think I did like maybe two dozen triathlons when I was younger. And one of the the things that you learn or one of the, the stories that you hear with triathlons is is the fact that, you know, even though you feel like that's a long race, it's nowhere near as long as an Ironman. So the triathlons that I used to do when I was younger are called sprint triathlons, which are the very typical ones. They're about half the distance of an Olympic triathlon. So it's uh, like 800 meters in the water, a 20 kilometer bike ride, and then a five kilometer run, which is still pretty long for, you know, a 13 or 14 year old. But we were told about the, you know, the famous Ironman and an Ironman is, is 3.8 kilometers in the water, a 185 kilometer bike ride, and then a marathon run. So 42.2 kilometers. And when I heard about that, I started researching it and started researching, you know, who does them. And then I stumbled across the Hawaiian Ironman, which is a very famous race every single year or that you have to qualify for. And it's called the Kona Ironman. Um, and one of the, the crazy things about that Ironman is uh, a lot of the bike ride and a lot of the run is on volcanic earth. So at surface level, it's anywhere between 50 and 60 degrees Celsius. So you're running and riding in essentially uh, a road that is heat, essentially a heated road that's about a, between 50 and 60 degrees Celsius the entire time, not to talk about the air temperature as well, which is already between 30 and 40 degrees Celsius. So it's a, just a crazy race that only the fittest people on the planet have ever thought about doing. So I decided when I was very, very young that I really, really wanted to do it uh, or like it was a bucket list item to do one day. And uh, I stopped doing triathlons. I started rowing. I started playing water polo and it sort of, I always kept it in my mind and I never forgot about that goal, but it became kind of a bucket list item that I would do down the line. And then last year, uh, because of you know my business, because of a relationship I was in at the time and, and a whole bunch of things, uh, I sort of forgot about, you know, I sort of let go of my fitness. I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't swimming. I wasn't riding. I wasn't running. I wasn't going to the gym or anything like that. So I kind of naively in that moment decided that, you know, what better way to get myself back into shape and what better way to motivate myself than decide that I was going to do an Ironman. And uh, it's been, you know, it's been incredible for my fitness. Unfortunately, I I won't. I probably won't be doing the one that I wanted to do. I wanted to hopefully do an Ironman early next year, but I don't think the stra- the travel bans will be lifted by then. So I don't know if that's going to happen anymore. But I'm still training for it. Obviously, I'm I, before my injury, I was running between 100 and, and 150 kilometers a week, and at the moment, I'm riding between 200 and 250 kilometers a week. So I'm. Uh, yeah, it's just. I I think it's an incredible thing, and it comes back to the patience thing and the time thing. It's one of the only times in your life where uh, you recognize the value of patience and you recognize the value of uh, time because when you're training for a race that is 12 to 15 hours long, if you're a competitive racer in an Ironman, you can expect to finish it in 10 to 11 hours. So if you're some of, you know, if you're fast, you can expect to finish it between 10 and 12 hours. So the fact that you're training for a race that lasts 10 to 12 hours means that you cannot possibly train for it all in one day. You can't possibly train for it all in one week. You can't even possibly train for it all in one month. You have to really 
segregate your training and plan everything and understand that, you know, all I have to do today is run five kilometers and then ride 20 and then swim 1K and then do that every day and then occasionally do longer runs and longer swims and longer rides. And eventually that'll all come together into one moment where I finish an Ironman. Um, so it's one of the few times in your life where you really have to pursue some patience and you have to understand that I'm not going to be able to tackle this goal all in one moment. I'm not going to be able to tackle this goal in a group of moments. I have to tackle this goal over the next year, over the next two years, over the next three years and for the rest of my life. So I think it's a it's a really, really eye-opening and incredible thing, uh, the Iron Man. So, But that's why they call it the Iron Man because it's <laughs> a, a true feat of uh, human you know, capability. Yeah. Um, so I have one more question to Go ask before we finish with a quick little segment. Um, <laughs> so you have a podcast and I your do. first 10 episodes you're doing solo. Why is that? And why don't you get straight into the episodes like with people? Um, so I'm doing the podcast solo uh, can't, partly because of the restrictions. So I would love to do in, in-person guests. Uh, I, I see a, a true value in doing in-person guests because it just, you know, it creates a it creates a really nice environment where you can connect with the person not only through audio, but you can connect with them body language wise and you can have a genuine conversation with them and whatnot. So I really wanted to do in-person guests. But the other thing as well is I wanted to, um, I'm, I'm the type of person that uh, I talk to myself a lot. I, I, you know, I'm very, my internal dialogue is very loud. So I really wanted to, uh, you know, I, I, within any given day, I might come up with, you know, 10 to 15 video ideas or 10 to 15 story ideas or 10 to 15 different things that I want to do. But a lot of those things never come out because I don't have the time. I don't have the resources or, or maybe I just don't want to, you know, an idea doesn't get fully fleshed out because I don't think it's capable of consuming a whole video. Whereas with a podcast, I can just start talking, talk about the ideas that I want to talk about and then, you know, let them be little segments within the podcast, if that makes sense. And then, you know, I, I, I really think it's a valuable skill. I think it's an incredible skill, the, the skill to, you know, sit down and have a conversation with yourself and entertain an audience just by talking, I think that's a very, very valuable skill that you, you know, a lot of people would benefit from learning. I think it's, I yep. think it's, uh, you know, someone like Andy uh, from Hamish and Andy is incredible. Oh, Hamish is incredible at it. He just sits down and he can do an hour and a half podcast by himself like it's nothing. And I think that's a very, very incredible thing to be able to do. And I really wanted to get better at that. And then the last reason is I just, I wanted a place where I can, you know, share a more authentic version of myself. I think by having guests, you sort of just become a caricature, caricature, if I'm saying that correctly, you just become a caricature of your uh, internet persona because, you know, I, if I jumped straight into having guests, then I would probably jump straight into having, you know, someone like Hayden or Liam or, or Mike or some of my friends over in the US who are creators and photographers and filmmakers. And I wouldn't really flesh out, you know, the, the other parts of my life that I'm interested in. So I think by doing it by myself, uh, 
it allows me to talk about topics like my Ironman training. It allows me to talk about topics like mental health. It allows me to talk about topics that interest me that are outside of my online um, brand. So I think that by starting, because I, I, you know, I, I don't, I didn't really start the podcast with the intention of, you know, I, I would love for it to become a source of my income. But honestly, I started it as a way to share another side of myself to my audience. I didn't really, I don't expect, (laughs) I mean, you know, maybe someday they do, but right now I'm not expecting anyone new to find me through the podcast. I'm kind of just expecting that my audience who already like my work, already like my videography and already appreciate me as an artist can go there and discover another side of me that they don't know already. So, you know, by having guests on after episode 10, I think I'll then open up my audience to a wider group of, of people that, who might not already know me. But I think for now, it's it's kind of just a way for me to share a side of me that uh, people might not know yet. So Nice. Yeah. Awesome. So for my last segment, I, I like doing like spin the wheel questions. I've got a digital oh, nice. spin the wheel here. They're going to be very quick fire questions, so <laughs> quick answers. And so the first one we've got here is what's your favorite song? What's my favorite song? My favorite song right now is probably No Time to Die by Billie Eilish. Oh, yeah, that's a, I like that song. That's, that's not a bad great. song. Uh, the second question we have, we've just got to wait for the wheel to spin. <laughs> what is your favorite smoothie? My favorite smoothie? Oh, I make a smoothie called the chocolate, peanut butter chocolate monkey. I, I call it the peanut butter chocolate monkey. Uh, and it has peanut butter, frozen bananas, dates, raw cacao, chocolate protein powder and almond milk and it is incredible if anyone wants to make that themselves make sure you freeze the bananas because that's what makes it thick and uh put about a little bit less almond milk than you'd expect and make it really thick and eat drink it with a spoon it's amazing that feels more like it that's oh, i love when i do that i do one <laughs> similar where you kind of make it like a it a, a sahi bowl like yeah, we yeah. have like, like a smoothie you have the bowl. smoothie and then you put like some muesli in it yeah or I, granola. Love, I love those yeah. All right. So second or oh, third or whatever, uh, <laughs> what's your biggest photography mistake? My biggest photography mistake? Probably just not learning the benefit of different focal lengths earlier. I wish I had learned that, you know, shooting a landscape with a 200 mil as opposed to shooting a landscape with a 16 mil is going to have a completely different effect on how your image looks and feels very early on i always just thought that focal lengths was like if i want to shoot something further away blah 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 blah. blah. i didn't really realize that you know there's a massive benefit to shooting landscape photographies with a 200 mil as opposed to there's benefits to shooting something like portraits with a 16 mil so i think i would have loved to have learned the benefit of focal lengths earlier on yeah, awesome. Um, what's your favorite food? My favorite food. Random. Uh, I can't <laughs> go past a burger. A good chicken burger is always amazing. Nice. I I love I love chicken burgers. I don't eat red meat, so chicken yeah, burger the... is the closest I can get to to a burger. Yeah, I'm the same. Oh, yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. There's not many people I know that don't <laughs> eat red meat, so. Awesome. That's that's nice. Um, what is the favorite photo you have taken? 
Um, my favorite photo that I've ever taken comes back to the story from Hawaii. Uh, it's a photo of my ex-girlfriend standing on uh, the mountain peak in Kauai and the mountain cliffs are behind her. And it's just one of, one of not only an incredible photo aesthetically, but it represents, a, you know, the best day of my life. So I think that's my favorite photo that I've ever taken so far. Hi, oh, yeah, fair, fair. Um, what, who is your favorite YouTuber? Oh, my favorite YouTuber. Um, oh my God. Uh, probably, I would probably have to say Matt Diavella is my favorite oh, yeah, YouTuber. You must have enjoyed when he did daily vlogs for that couple of months. Oh yeah. Yeah. Although I, I enjoy his, I think I enjoy his more thoughtful pieces more because it, yeah. it allows you to really consume the information that he's giving you. True, true. Are you a, do you watch um you know like Sam Calder or J.R. Alley at all for inspiration for filmmaking? Um, I don't actually. I'm actually going to make a video about this next week. Um, I have a very different style to those guys. Like I really, mm. I tried when I was younger, or when I was earlier into this. I tried the whole fast-paced filmmaking and transitions and and all the crazy styles. Of, but I'm I'm more of a you know, I prefer a slow methodical I prefer to hold my shots I prefer to you know have a slower pace of filmmaking so you know that's why I really like Matt Diavella because I actually prefer his style of filmmaking to J.R. Ali or you know I have a massive amount of respect for someone like Ben TK or Sam Calder or J.R. Ali because it takes a lot of skill to do what they do it takes a lot of time it takes a lot of you know hours but I I just don't that that style doesn't inspire me. That style doesn't speak to me when I make in that style. I don't like I I was sort of recently on a job forced they really wanted that style of film done and I did my best. I was like I'm going to give this a shot because who knows, maybe I'll really like it. And I tried it and I just hated it. I didn't enjoy it. Uh the film I finished, I I like the film, but it didn't get to their expectations and it was below my expectations and I just I just don't enjoy that style of filmmaking. It doesn't speak to me creatively. It doesn't inspire me. It just I've just never been like that. I'm more of a person that, you know, I sit down and watch something like The Revenant and that just inspires the hell out of me as opposed to sitting down and watching one of Sam Calder's videos and feeling yep. inspired. Awesome. Um we're gonna finish with the last one. What is your favorite quote? Oh, my favorite quote is uh, so good people. I'll uh, I've actually got I don't have the quote tattooed on me, but I have a tattoo to represent the quote. It's a mermaid on my shoulder, um, and the the quote is, "Good people wake up every day and try to empty the ocean with a ladle." And to me, that means uh, it means get up every single day and do your best, regardless of the outcome. Do not expect anything good to come from your efforts. Just do your best without expectations. So I, I absolutely love that quote. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a nice quote. Um, so one thing I like to do right before we wrap it up is ask my guests that I have on the show, mm. is there anyone that you know that you think would suit the podcast that you could introduce me to? Hmm. Anyone that I know that would suit the podcast? I'm trying to think of someone younger who is in this industry. It can be any industry. It could be gaming. It could be a chef. It could be anything. I love I love different oh, types yes, of guests. Oh, yes. Yes, I do know someone. So there's a, a, 
oh god, his name's um his brother he's a, so his brother I went to school with a bloke called Femi Satsukas and his younger brother is a professional uh, I think he's just finished high school or is about to finish high school and he's a professional League of Legends player. Uh, so he he toured Korea playing League of Legends professionally. So I think that would be uh, an incredible guest. To, I'm trying to find someone left of center. So, you know, I could recommend someone like, you know, Mike or, or Liam or Hayden or mm. those guys. But I think I think having someone like him on would be would be really cool because it's someone completely different. So I'll figure out his... No, I can't remember his name because he's he's my a person I went to school with his brother, but I'll find his name and I'll let you know. Awesome, because he's Thank from you. Melbourne as well. I awesome. Okay, we're gonna wrap the podcast up there. Um, massive thank you, Tom, for coming on, taking fifty minutes out of your day to join. No worries it's at all, been, mate. Thanks for having me on. It's been an awesome podcast, and to everyone that's listening if you are on itunes and you would like to leave an honest review it'd be really appreciated you don't have to though if you're just listening for the joy of it i really hope you did enjoy if you want to go on instagram and follow my new account that is dedicated to my podcast actually got inspired to create it by tom's real life <laughs> podcast uh, instagram it's axing the future and if you want to follow my personal photography account it's 56th grid i hope you have a wonderful morning Uh, evening or day wherever you are in the world and I look forward to seeing or hope you enjoy listening to me and come back for the next episode. Thank you. We out.